All right, let's do this. Let's open our Bible or turn on your device or whatever you have. Um, we're going to be in Matthew 20. Um, I want to kind of recap some. I, th- I thought Drew did a great job last week of this idea of servanthood and beginning that conversation. We're going to continue it today. Um, but this idea of last is first and first is last, right? Um, and we talk about this parable. Jesus uses this parable to describe it. And at the end, he says, and I want to read this last verse because I think if we harp on this, it'll help us understand. Did you say Matthew yes. Sorry, Matthew 20. We'll be starting in verse like 14. Um, so the master of the vineyard, the owner, um, he has people start work at different times. He has some, some laborers come early in the day, and he's like, hey, I'll give you $100 to work today, right? So they're like, yeah, that sounds great. I'd love to work for $100 for a day. So they start working. Then some come at lunch, and he says, hey, the price for you working for the day is $100. Does that sound good? And they're like, yeah, I'll work from now till the end of the day for $100. And then people come the last hour, and they're like, hey, we need work. And he's like, oh, lucky for you, there's still work. It's $100 for you to work for the next hour and a half. And they say, that sounds great. I'd love to work for an hour and a half and get $100. So they all work, and then he starts paying everyone. And the laborers that came in the beginning feel shortchanged, right? Even though they agreed to work for the day for $100, they feel upset. They're like, hey, wait, I worked longer than the lunch guys and the twilight hour guys. Why, why am I getting 100 and they're getting 100? That doesn't seem fair, right? This idea of fairness to them felt shortchanged. And this is what the um, owner says, friend, I'm doing no wrong. Did you not agree to work, um, to work with me for a denarius, which is a day's, it's basically an amount of money for a day's work. Um, take what belongs to you and go. I chose to give the last worker as I gave to you. Am I not allowed to do what I choose with what belongs to me? And here's the one I think that hits us right home, or right, right at home. Or do you begrudge my generosity? Do you begrudge my generosity? Because really, our, our assumed fight for fairness, no, I just want what's fair. It's not fair that, that I got what was coming to me, but so did they. Really, it's begrudging someone's generosity. And, God, and, and the owner says, so the last will be first and the first will be last. And so again, we have here this explanation of first is last and last is first. Drew did a great job last week of, of using that story. You remember this story when he was in Sunday school? They did this lesson and then he was like, ooh, we're in line for cookies now. I'm going to purposely stand in the corner and be last. The teacher saw him and was like, look at you understanding the story. You're now moved up to first in line, Drew Schutz, you beautiful man. You know, with his blonde little kid hair looking like Noah, being like, oh, it's okay, no cookie for me, right? That's, I'm sure, exactly how Drew, like, sad-faced and all, you know what I mean? I'm doing this for the good. So he gets his cookie first. That's not what this means, right? It doesn't mean a juxtaposition. That's not what first is last and last is first means. That's what it reads, but that doesn't mean one day when all is said and done, Brian will be the worst pedal steel player in town and I will be the pedal steel man of, of the place, right? If, if there were a worst pedal steel player and a best pedal steel player, that's about what it would be like. That doesn't mean we just switch roles. That doesn't mean that you're supposed to try to suppress any talent skill, ability, or charisma you have so that you can be put down so later you get exalted. That's not what it means, and that's not the intention 
of the story. The intention of the story is to say the kingdom of heaven just doesn't work like it does here. Power, authority, manipulation, placement, that's not a part of the kingdom. So first is last and last is first. It's saying you might as well be last, you might as well be first. It doesn't matter. We're not going to begrudge the king's generosity. That's the intention of this. And then Jesus is going to take it further, and we're going to see it in, in another way that it hits home to me as a parent. And if you're not a parent, it's still, it's still very fitting, so no, no worries here. But let's keep reading. And they have this conversation. And as Jesus was going up to Jerusalem, why is Jesus going to Jerusalem, by the way? At this point in the story, what's happening? You can say. Don't hold it in. Yes. This is, this, is, this is about a week to 10 days left in Jesus' life. Not everyone understands this, obviously, from the story we're going to tell. But Jesus is going up to Jerusalem to, to finish what has been started. Okay, that's, that's what Jesus is doing right now. And as Jesus was going up to Jerusalem, he took the 12 disciples aside. And on the way, he said to them, see... We are now going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be delivered over to the chief priests and the scribes, and they will condemn him to death and deliver him over to the Gentiles to be mocked, flogged, and crucified, and on the third day, raised. Jesus telling them this is, is different than us reading it. We read that and we're like, yeah, we know that's happening. It's like Matthew 20. There's only a few more chapters. The story's got to happen sometime. That's why we started this one, you know, to read about this, right? They don't understand the end of the story. Jesus has already twice told them in a different way that, that he has to go and, and sacrifice himself, give his life, right? He said this a few times. One time they completely don't understand. They're like, oh, that sounds good. Awesome. I don't, I don't, this must be a metaphor. This is very strange to us. The second time, they're greatly distressed because he says it again, and they're like, oh, that, this is not good. Now we're hearing this again. Surely not. Let's make sure we keep this from happening. This time, we actually hear in detail what happens to Jesus. At this point, he says, no, it's not just the Jews that are going to put me to death. They're going to hand me over to allow me torture, shame, and crucifixion. Now, crucifixion was a frightening, frightening thing in this day. Everyone would have seen that on the road to somewhere, and it's purposefully cruel to make a point. And the flogging part is actually being tortured. It's, it's not, oh, uh, it's just this little punishment and then you move on with your day. It's a purposeful torture, torture to shame someone and to create authority for everyone watching, right? So Jesus is saying, I am going to be used by these two cultures of people that I've told you were coming to save and to change and I've told you to be the least of and I've told you to sacrifice for and I've healed them all and now what's going to happen is we're going to go together and they're going to do their worst to me. That's how this is going to go. And their response here is so telling, I think, of them and of us. So Jesus says that to them. Here's their response. Then the mother of the sons of Zebedee came to him with her sons, kneeled before him and asked something. And he said to her, well, what is it that you want? And she said to him, say that these two sons of mine are to sit, one on your right hand and one on your left in your kingdom. And Jesus answered, you do not know what you're asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I am about to drink? 
And then the son said to him, we are able. And he said, oh, you might drink the cup, but to sit at my right and my left is not mine to grant, for it's those who have been prepared by the father. And when the 10 heard it, they were indignant with the two brothers. But Jesus called them over and said, you do not, you do not know what you speak. You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them and their great ones exercise authority over them. I'll just pause. Jesus tells them this thing that's about to happen within a week or so. What is their concern? What what is their response to their best friend, their rabbi, their, their like brother here? What is their response? What? Right, they say, well, maybe we'll be able to do what you do. That's true, that was one of the responses. That's exactly right. What else? What is the mood there that's going down, though, when when Jesus says this to them? What's their concern? Status. Status. Absolutely. This mother comes, her two grown-ish children in tow, and says, Jesus, please do this for me, right? Right? Have my son sit on your right and left. Jesus says, no, no, that's, that's, not, that's not what we're doing here right now. <laughs> that's not being discussed here. And then the other disciples are mad at them for wanting to sit at the right and the left, right? How dare you? You're trying to get at the right and the left? You're trying to, what is this? What is this concern? At the height of Jesus' angst right now, he's about, they're about to walk into Jerusalem, and he's going to weep over it and say that, oh, you, you just weren't willing to be, to be loved and served by me. And his disciples are still squabbling, trying to decide who has the most power, right? That's who they are. That, unfortunately, is who we are. And let's, let's talk about this mother real quick. Let's, let's give her... Let's, let's apologize for the mother for just a second. First of all, she must love her kids somewhat, right? She wants them to sit at the right and the left, right? Probably. Wants what's best for them. We'll say that. And that's, that's the best. That sounds pretty good, right? In her head, the best things that could happen to her two sons are this, right? We would probably say, it's normal for a mom to want the absolute best thing for her sons, right? Lily knows this. She wants the best things for Asher and Tobin. Wants the best for them. She also seems to believe that Jesus is going to have some sort of kingdom, that he's not just this substitute rabbi for a minute, that he's not just going to be like leading an uprising against Rome. She seems to have some semblance of belief going on that Jesus does, there, there is some evolvement from whatever's happening right now. That it might not be just a power transfer, right? It might not be just now Jews in power instead of Romans, which is what everyone wanted, white horse military going in. She seems to understand something more is going on, right? Also good, also nice of her. Way to believe, honestly. And really, if we think about it, we cloak our need for our children to be the best, the highest, the most, because of what? Why, why do we want that? Just honestly. So what? 
Yes, very good. If your child succeeds at a thing, oh, I must have done something to help them achieve this thing. I feel so good, right? That's, that's how it feels, just to be honest. When our kids do great things, right? I remember, I remember thinking, and I'll, I'll say this, and this is, this is not a backhanded congratulation to myself either. Our sons were very fortunate, and they, they were able to read very early in life, right? They read before kindergarten, and that was nice. Do you know what was also nice? Have everyone, have everyone telling us it was nice. I'll be honest. And to feel like, you know, I'm glad we did all that reading to them, as if that did it. As if it was because we were able to shape their minds as babes and, and put reading within their hearts and minds. That, they did that on their own. That's, that's, that's something they did, that they had control over. Hold on, son. That they had control over, they, had, they were able to do, and they did. That, but to us, oh, it felt delicious. Felt delicious. It feels delicious when our kids win. But you know what's true? If her sons are sitting on the right and the left, do you know what that means about the other ten sons? They're not. When, when we have winners, we have pe- people that don't win. Right? When we have a kid that's the best hitter on the field, you have everyone else that's not. We want so badly to have a first and a last. We want so badly to manipulate the order of things and have our people we love higher than someone else. We don't want them to just do their best. We try to convince ourselves we do, and we tell them that's all they need to do, but damn if it feels good when they win, you know? It does. It's a different part of us, a different carnal area of us that needs to be a, a, a something bit proud of something else. And that's what this mom is speaking to, speaking to the human condition. No, I want first. I don't care that that means no one else is first. That's what I want. We do it too. We have this unique false humility about ourselves where we make sure our humility is seen by others, right? Jesus talks about this when he says, oh, the, the people, the, the rich, they love to give alms in public, right? And make their change loud as it falls into the cup. Oh, look at what they're doing. Now, is giving to the poor wrong? No, it's a really good thing they're doing. They're doing it in a way because they know what it means for them. They look good. And I think so much of our life is based around us having status, having a symbol of goodness, having a family that's together, it's very put together, having the best something, having the newest blank. But the reality of that is, Oftentimes, when we do that, we create winners and losers. We further the society and this this system of needing to achieve, of needing to climb, of needing to be better. Again, not wrong to excel at something because you are gifted at something. It's always the heart behind it. It's always the intention behind it. We want to be the best because we want people to say we are. 
We want the handshakes from that. We want them to talk about us around their dinner table. We want people to want to be like us, want them to be like your kid. We, we love that. And the, the sad part of this is what that need did to this group of 12 friends. What did it do to them? Were they like, good job, brothers. You just want what's best. You just want to succeed and achieve. We like that. Good game. We're proud of you. We hope you get first and second also. That'd be great. Is that what they do? No, they're indignant. Makes them furious that the brothers want to be first and thus have them not have a seat at that table, right? That's what it does to all of us. That hurts community. Deep down, it does. We try to act like it doesn't. We try to smile through that and and happy our way through that and high-five each other. But it harms our community that we want to be better than each other, that we want more than the other, that we want the nicest blank. We want to be, we don't, our system is too ingrained in us. And sadly too, what it does is it hurts our relationship with God because then we begrudge his generosity. When someone else gets what we don't think they deserve, it frustrates us. We all felt it. When you've been struggling and struggling and and working your tail off and you just want to buy a home and then someone else is so proud that they've bought their third home and it's massive and you could live in the thing, but but they're so happy and you're not, we sometimes feel begrudging of God's generosity to that family. We just wanted it. Why couldn't we get it? We work harder than that person. And then we begrudge them. It begins to ruin community. When our car, I remember, I remember this one was true, very, very true to me. I drove an awful but amazing 1994 Jeep Cherokee forever, like 419,000 miles forever. I loved it. But it was rough. Didn't have AC. Broke down like at the worst time. It's always the worst time to break down though, right? Everyone's always like, oh, it always breaks down at the worst time. It's like, yeah, because you needed to drive it. It's always the worst time. You needed to drive the car. Then it wouldn't drive. It's the worst time. You know what I'm saying? It's a bad time for it to break down. It doesn't break down when you're on vacation because you're not using it, right? But it broke down all the time. It was hot. We lived in Austin, Texas. I would work outside and drive that thing on 35 home, and it was awful. Hot. Every time someone got a new car around me, oh, it pained me. It hurt my feelings. It's like, why can't? I'm working my tail off. Why can't I do this? I want a car that drives one day. Like, I want AC in my vehicle. And I was not happy for them. I would pretend to be, oh, man, I'm so glad you got that fourth car in your family. That's so exciting for you. AC works amazing. Good. Oh, man, power something. Awesome. Does it have an engine that runs every time? Yay. But I begrudged God's generosity. It was owed to me too, right? And this system has to somehow be dismantled. Somehow, Jesus is is trying to explain to them how the system is to be dismantled. And this is what Jesus says back to them. But Jesus called them over. This is when they're indignant with each other, having problems now in their community because of a mom that wants her two boys to have the best, to have the best status. This is what Jesus says. Calls them over to him and said, 
You know the rulers of the Gentiles, they lord it over them. And the great ones exercise authority over them. It shall not be among you. But whoever would be among you must be, or whoever would be great among you must be your servant. And whoever would be first among you must be your slave, even as the Son of Man came here, not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Again, it's not saying a juxtaposition. It's not saying purposefully lose all the things that you've worked for and gained. It says, no, though, be a servant to others. Be a slave of their needs. It's, it's that idea of let no debt be outstanding except this debt of loving deeply one another. And then he says, just be like me. He says, just for once, look and walk with me really. Don't just listen to my teachings, but, but do them with me. I am going to the cross. I'm going to be a picture of sacrifice for everyone that's sacrificing me. He said, just find a way to want that. For us, maybe it's not even like, hey, next week we all expect ourselves to live that way in every way. Maybe we just hope to want to live that way. Maybe we just hope to want to dismantle that system of firsts and seconds and thirds and last. Maybe we just want to stop begrudging God's generosity. Maybe we should just hope that God is generous to all. Maybe that doesn't mean you have to not want any of God's generosity. Maybe it just means we want it more for everyone else. And when we see someone get generosity, we enjoy it. And it's delicious to us, like our kids winning is. And you can fake that, and we can pretend, and we can try to conjure it up, or we can just plead with God to want that. And we can say, just, can you just change me and make me want that a little? Can you just at least show me where I'm doing that? Some of us, we're so blind to that system, we don't even know where that's us. We can think about someone else. They do that real bad, I know. But within us, it's hard. Because it's just a part of us. It's who we are. So maybe we just ask that. Um, so what we're going to do, as we have communion, I want us to ask that. As we take the bread and take the cup, or as you sit and listen to this next song about the Holy Spirit, you guys can come on up. Maybe we just pray, God, can, I just, can you help me want to be a servant. Not how to act like one. Help me want to become that. Help me want to sacrifice for others and help me want, not, you don't have to want your kid to be last. That's not what this is saying. Again, that's not, it's not a juxtaposition. It's, it's let me find myself never begrudging God's generosity towards someone else. And let's pray that together and then let's enjoy communion on that together. So let's, let's stand together. And God, we ask you, for the love, let us, let us not feel a need to win or be first or be best. But let us just enjoy enjoying the kingdom and help us stop begrudging your generosity. Help us to somehow want to take on your life 
take on your care and love and do and live as you live. In Jesus' name.